We are Paul and Rachel Weber, and uh, we are missionaries to Australia. Uh, now, your church has supported us. We, I think we've been, well, we've been in Australia for almost 20 years now, and I'm sure your church has been supporting us for more than 20 years. Uh, we, have, we have five children. Uh, we had a, first, we had a boy, Andrew, and we said, okay, let's have a girl. Nope, we had a second boy. That was Jonathan. Andrew is what? Andrew's 27? 27 now. Jonathan is 25. He'll, he'll be 25 this year. Uh, then we said, okay, now let's have a girl. No, we had, the Lord gave us a third boy. Uh, I'm one of five boys, no sisters. So I figure, well, maybe I'm cursed somehow. But uh, by that time, we were saying, okay, let's keep trying till we have a girl. Uh, Benjamin, Benjamin is 21, 22, 22 now. He turned 22 this year. Uh, Andrew is an electrician. Uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, so he's doing well for himself, bought a home, uh, and now he's looking for a wife. Uh, Jonathan is now in the U.S. Air Force. He's working, uh, he's actually working on the stealth bomber. He's a mechanic, the B-2 bomber. Uh, and then Benjamin is now in seminary. He graduated from Bob Jones with a uh, uh, B.A. in Bible, and now he's going to seminary uh, there, and he wants to graduate and become a missionary to Russia. Uh, how he's going to get to Russia, how Russia's going to open up. Well, that's the Lord's business. The Lord, if the Lord calls him, the Lord will open those doors. So. And then there's Anna. Anna came along finally after we said, you know what, we're going to keep trying until we have a girl. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Anna came. She was born actually one month after we arrived in Australia. And then Sarah came along three years later, almost four years later, three and a half years later in 2007. So that's Sarah. Sarah's 15. Anna, Anna's 19. Uh, the Lord, uh, when the Lord closes some doors, He opens others. He opened those doors to, uh, to Australia. I think, uh, if I could do this really quick, there are several things involved in a calling. Of course, first is uh, Scripture. Of course, uh, there are plenty of uh, Scripture verses that tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, and that means wherever we're at, uh, we're, to be, we're to be sharing, uh, uh, making disciples of all peoples. Uh, prayer certainly is one, and we certainly put a lot of prayer into it. Uh, we prayed about going to Japan. We prayed about going to France. We prayed about, prayed about going to Germany. Uh, we're both of German background. Uh, Lord just uh, uh, kind of closed the doors there. Um, uh, uh, godly advice, uh, seeking the advice of pastors, of parents, of people who know us well, uh, people who know where our talents lie and, and uh, what we may fit in well with, uh, that's one. Uh, never underestimate circumstances. Now, and I talked about those closed doors. The Lord opens some doors, He closes others. He closed doors to those countries, He opened doors to, to, to Australia. Um, what did I miss? Feelings. <laughs> you know what? There, there, is, there is something to be said about feelings. You know, I'm talking about the peace that the Lord gives you when you're heading in the direction He wants you to go. When you're going somewhere else, uh, you really don't have that peace. But the Lord gave us peace about Australia. And uh, we met the field team there, knew we fit in well with them, became good friends with them. And uh, all those things together kind of lined up uh, to, to kind of guide us toward Australia. But thank you for all your, your prayers and your support that you've given us for over 20 years now. And to let you know a little bit of what the ministry has been like, uh, what uh, has been, God has been doing over there in the country of Australia, specifically a tiny little out-of-the-way place called Sydney. You ever heard of it? 
Okay. Uh, and uh, Sydney's actually a city of about 5 million people. Uh, so we've got our hands full there. Uh, we're all the way out into the western suburbs of Sydney. That's all we could afford, really. Uh, you move into the city and you're multi-million million dollar homes. Uh, but we're out in the, the western suburbs of Sydney, uh, and we've uh, been involved in, in the 20 years that we've been in Australia, we've been involved in five different church plants. Uh, now, this, uh, this, this last uh, term of service in Australia was a, kind of a funny one, because uh, the world kind of fell apart, didn't it? <laughs> the world went crazy, and uh, we had, uh, so, uh, we were... Uh, dealing with someone, uh, having conversations with someone about planting a church in the city of Dubbo, which is about five hours uh, west of Sydney. And then the pandemic hit. And Sydney got locked down for about a year and a half. Uh, we weren't going anywhere. Uh, and when, by the time the lockdown was over, uh, the guy who was in Dubbo decided Dubbo wasn't for him and moved on. So... Uh, it was a bit, uh, bit of a disappointment as far as church planting, but uh, we feel like this is one of our most rewarding uh, terms uh, of all. Uh, we uh, joined the pastoral staff of Fellowship Baptist Church in Blacktown, and uh, name, right? we're, we're going we're gonna to show you uh, some of the things that have been happening at Fellowship in the past four years. Uh, some of the things we're excited about, I, I do, uh, uh, aside from our church ministries, which you'll see in the slides... Uh, I do preach at a Bible college uh, called the Sydney Institute for Biblical Studies. Uh, now, that's SIBS for short. Uh, we have taught English classes, free English classes, to, uh, to incoming migrants into Sydney. You know, Sydney is one of the most multicultural cities in all the world. Immigrants are just flowing into Sydney until the pandemic hit. Uh, but Im immigrants have been flowing into Sydney, and many of them come into the city, um, you know, lonely. Uh, longing for some kind of uh, friendship and longing to learn English, and little do they know, longing for the gospel too. So we use these English classes to present the gospel to them. We tell them Bible stories and we share Christ with them uh, besides teaching English. But one of the things that really excites us uh, uh, probably the most of anything is that we have the chance to go into the public school system and teach Scripture classes. Oh, uh, Fellowship Baptist Church, which we were associated with for the past four years, is a church of about 150 people. Uh, our goal was to join with the church with the intent on planting a daughter church of Fellowship Baptist Church. And they would loan us, uh, I don't know, they would uh, probably provide some finances, some people uh, to start a church plant with. And, of course, like we said, the world kind of fell apart as soon as, soon as we got all that together. Uh, so we were stuck there at Fellowship Baptist Church, not really stuck, you might say. Uh, through the Lord's providence, uh, we went on the staff there uh, as, as, a, as a pastor at uh, Fellowship Baptist Church, and uh, we had our hand uh, in just about every aspect of the ministry, uh, men's ministry, uh, young adult ministry, uh, Sunday school teaching, music ministry, the, 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 the vast variety of cultures in the churches. Sydney churches tend to be that way, very multicultural. Uh, it's like the world is coming to your door. Uh, I think the first uh, church plant we had was, uh, was Lebanese. The second church plant we had was Italian, yeah. uh, Peruvian, and Peruvian. The third church plant we had was more Filipino. 
Uh, the fourth was actually our, our only totally Aussie church. Yep. And, uh, and then uh, Fellowship Baptist Church. Well, we, Logos Baptist Church was uh, Lebanese, and then this church was predominantly Filipino, uh, but lots of other cultures too. Uh, lots of Indian families moving into the Blacktown area where Fellowship is. Uh, and so our, our Indian population in our church began uh, expanding. And so lots of, lots of different cultures, and it's, a, it's a very much a learning experience. Australia is a very prosperous country. Uh, they're well-paid. They live in the, one of the best climates in the world. If, if they're poor, the government takes care of them. There's socialized medicine, there's welfare, there's all kinds of things. Uh, so uh, your, your typical Aussie is, uh, feels like they have no need. Uh, now, life is good. Why complicate it with religion, with philosophy, things like that? Uh, so it's not the fact that they fight the gospel. They're not hostile towards uh, you sharing the gospel with them. They'll always give you here. Uh, they're very relational, like I said. They'll, they'll talk to you on the street uh, about just about everything. Now, be prepared. They're going you know, to challenge you. They're going to shoot back at you. Uh, but in the end, it's life is good. Why complicate it? So it's not that they fight the gospel. It's that they just don't see the need. They just don't see the need for, for, for Christ, uh, for the gospel, or anything like that. And actually, that makes it harder. Uh, makes it harder to reach a people like that who don't even see they have a need rather than someone who actually fights the gospel. So our challenge in evangelizing in Australia is getting them to see that they have a need. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's the number one uh, priority. Atheism is growing, uh, growing by leaps and bounds in Australia. Um, I, think, I think maybe, what, 30, 40% of the population claims no religion. Uh, they don't particularly claim atheism, but they claim no religion. Uh, almost half the population. Uh, it's, it's not, again, it's not that uh, they would proclaim there's no God. Actually, they're very spiritual people. Uh, they're just into all kinds of different uh, spiritism and occultism and, and, and new age things. And, yeah. So they're not atheistic, so to speak, but they just, they just don't care. Uh, they just, uh, they're, uh, might you call them agnostic? Probably every missionary that comes says, I need a little more support. I need a little more support. We do too. It always happens when you're, when you're in the field for four years, it kind of dwindles a little. Uh, we have 50 50, count of 50 supporting churches, uh, along with, what, 30 individuals. So we have 80 supporters that we've got to go around and visit uh, in the process of a year. That means, you know, we can't spend a whole Sunday, uh, you know, morning and evening with, with a, a particular church. We try to, you know, have one in the morning, one in the evening. So it's, it's visiting two or three churches uh, a week uh, for a whole year. Uh, they, say, they say furlough is, uh, you know, furlough implies a rest, Furlough is really not a rest, uh, but furlough is certainly necessary. Uh, if we didn't have you guys on our sides praying for us, uh, keeping informed of the ministry, uh, being challenged for the ministry there in Australia, then we wouldn't be on there. Uh, we wouldn't be there without your support. Uh, I could tell you that uh, there have been times that we've been over there in Australia and things have happened, and the way the Lord has worked them out, we've just turned to each other and we've said, wonder who's been praying for us today. Uh, so uh, it's important. It's important to build up that pr prayer support. It's important for us to challenge you 
uh, not just particularly for missions in Australia, but for missions in general, uh, that you get involved, uh, that you do the things that you can do. Maybe you can't go overseas yourselves and be a missionary, but you can send those uh, overseas that can go, uh, that can go for you. Uh, and you can support them financially, and you can pray for them. And can I say the most important thing you could ever do for a missionary is to pray for them? Uh, and, and you know what? That's interesting because it's the most important thing is uh, God's given us to do is the thing everybody can do. All of us can pray.